We have a mission that we had for many years to help more people more often say what? Yes to God. And that's the Great Commission boiled down in a, in a way that um, we can really grab a hold of to help more people, which means we're always reaching. We're always reaching out, that God has more people that need to know. We're never content to say, hey, our church has enough. Let the other people, let the other churches take care of the rest of the community. No, we want to keep reaching as many as we can because God so loved the world. So it's always expanding. It, it's, it's always progressing from the moment people come to know Jesus to the end of their lives. That's why you help more people more often say yes to God. It's not just getting baptized. It's, it's listening to the Lord in every area of life and saying yes to Him. And you'll be doing that until the day you leave this earth. And I have a feeling in heaven we will say a lot of yes, God, when we're up in His presence. And so that's our mission as a church. And I love the fact that it's positive because I, I've, I've been around church people who, who see the church mission as saying no. As a Christian, you say no to drugs and no to sex and no to this and no to that. And it's all negative. But I believe that if, if we're wrapped up in hearing God and obeying Him, um, doing the yeses, that, that we are so captivated by that, there's not enough time to engage in the darkness and the stuff we're to avoid because we're, we're caught up in this thing called the abundant life. Now, we have a mission as a church, or a vision as a church, and many years ago, the elders wrote out this vision. We don't share with you the big statement of it, but I, it's in your bulletin. I want to just read it through. It's, it's that we would be a church that invites and welcomes people seeking God, that guides them in their spiritual journey, and firmly connects them to a biblically functioning community, to God's Word and His work in the world. And we see parents and children walking this path together, this journey with Christ together, fostering a multi-generational heritage of faith. Now, we don't share it that way with you. We usually share these four critical areas. And I want to walk through those four areas. And this is the part we want you to remember, that we're about connecting seekers first, connecting seekers, people who are hungry for something deeper in life, people who want to know that there's answers for the longing inside, and everyone's hungry for something. And they go looking for drugs, they go looking for their jobs, they go looking for a person, when really they're looking for Jesus. And we know the answer, we just have to help people get there. And there are people who walk in these doors every week hungry for something. Some don't know that what they're looking for is Jesus, but we know that's what they're really looking for, because Jesus truly satisfies. He's the living water that causes you never to thirst again. And so um, it's exciting to have people like Greg walk in these doors. This year we've had 121 people baptized, which is about a tenth of our weekend attendance. And that's been that way for, for many years. Since we've been in this building, it's been that. We've had 100 and, 120 up to 200 people uh, baptized in a given year, which really is phenomenal when you consider most churches have less than 5% of their church make those kind of commitments in a given year. So we, we are blessed to see so many people coming to faith in Christ. We're also seeing a lot of people walk in these doors for the very first time. Recently, Pastor Sam told me, they had 20 families check in children in the next-gen area for the very first time one weekend. Now, when you think of a family, you think probably of a mom and dad, maybe two kids. Some have more, some have less, but roughly about four, four people per family. And if there's 20 families, that's 80 first-time guests. And that doesn't include those that didn't have children that just came in directly into this building. We could have had 100 people visit church for the very first time on that Sunday. And part of it is because we live in a transient community with the military here and, and people shifting. But, but God has sought 
a favor to bring people in these doors. And that's why you stand out in the foyer, foyer and you go, I don't know those people. I don't know those people. I don't know those people. I pray with people every week. They say, I've never met this person before. And because God has, has graciously brought us so many people, and many are joining and making this their church home. And so we are connecting seekers. We're about growing believers, helping those that come to know Jesus grow in their faith in Him. And we have a lot of ministries in the church that are dedicated to that. Our, our next-gen ministry with children, with teenagers, is geared to helping them grow up in the faith. Our MOPS ministry for young moms, women's ministry, men's ministry. But really, in all those ministries, it boils down to this. We want to get people into small group communities. That's really where spiritual growth happens, in a small group community. One of the best things our student ministry did a couple years ago was they based it on, on uh, not the big event, but the small groups. In fact, just recently, they went to what's called closed groups, which means a group of kids kind of commit together to meeting with a leader for their own spiritual growth, and where they can develop relationships with one another, and they don't have to adjust every week to a new group of kids. It's, this is my group. This, this is my, my guys or my gals, and we're going to open up and share and walk this journey together, and it's made a phenomenal impact on the lives of our kids. And my wife and I have been involved in an adult small group almost our entire marriage, and it's, it's been so good for us be part of a community that comes together. I'm tired on Sundays, but I look forward to Sunday night because that's my little family within the big family of the church. They know what's going on in our family. They know what's going on with our kids. They know what's going on in our personal lives because we share that and we get to know each other. And and our desire is that everyone gets to be part of a small group. That's why Pastor Sam right now is our discipleship pastor over all age groups as he's trying to form small groups so that every person can be part of one of those groups. Also in spiritual growth, we've been um, emphasizing prayer this past year. We've reinstated uh, a prayer service, a corporate time where we all come together, or I should say many of us come together. And so we've done that for the last three quarters. The next one is January um, 11th, where we come together and we pray and we see God breaking through in response to prayer. And I'm going to talk more about that as we go into 2017. Third area that comes out of our vision is strengthening families. We know that spiritual growth has to translate into the home. And, and while it's assumed that's part of your spiritual growth, growing believers should mean that you're growing at home, we recognize that in many cases, people don't put the two together. They can claim to have this great walk with the Lord, but their marriage stinks. Or their kids don't like to go to church. And we re- realize that we have to bring faith into the home to where it's something that if it's, if it's great for mom and dad, it ought to look great to the kids. And I've had no greater desire in my own home that my kids would want to walk with Jesus as I have. And we're about changing family trees. I don't know about your tree, but most of us haven't grown up with a strong Christian heritage within our families. It's very broken and dysfunctional. And, and as for me and my house, my wife and I decided we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to raise our children and do everything we can to help them walk with the Lord. And we're watching. Both our kids gave their lives to Christ. They're both walking with the Lord. They married Christian spouses. They're, they're raising their children in the church. And so it's a whole new family tree, and you can do that. And we believe that's God's will for you. And so this past year, we made a huge step forward in this area in offering marriage classes. Extended uh, eight, ten 12-week marriage classes from January all the way to just this past November. And we had five different classes over the course of that time. It had over 140 couples go and invest in their marriage in order to try to make it Christ-centered. You know what's amazing? People sometimes will come into a marriage uh, class kind of like this, or he needs to be here, or, you know, I don't know what God's going to show me because I'm about ready to give up. 
And by the end of it, they're holding hands and there's hope and there's a glimmer like, you know what? This is going to be better. And so um, in January, January 18th, we're, we're launching um, our next phase. It's called Reengage. And if you are committed to making your marriage great, I invite you to come. Your marriage may not be great right now. It may be good. Maybe bad. Either way, you should come and invest. It is worth the investment to come and devote yourselves with other couples in the church who want to make their marriage Christ-centered. Fourth area is impacting communities. Again, this should just naturally flow out of spiritual growth, but we recognize that for many people, we get very closed in that even if I love my family, um, sometimes I forget there's a world out there that God loves. And so we continually... um, give of ourselves to the world out there. We bring Jesus in tangible ways to other people with the hope that, that we can talk to them about the Lord and bring them to Jesus. And so the things that we give, like Operation Christmas Child, the Thanksgiving baskets, VBS collected over 5,000 pairs of shoes, Souls for Souls, um, those are tangible expressions of love um, for people outside the church. We have missionaries that we support that are all over the, the globe, from New Zealand to Thailand, Tanzania, Namibia, down in Mexico. And so we, we support missionaries. We sent Ben and Heidi Fisher last January to Indonesia to uh, be God's representatives from Pikes Peak Christian Church in a place that's heavily Muslim populated. And we have a lot of ministries locally that we support or within the United States, Bible colleges and different places. In fact, today I, I want to invite up to on the stage Lindsay Wagoner. Lindsay works with a group called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And you probably didn't realize this, but part of your giving every week helps to support Lindsay so that she can be in the public schools and help kids get to know Jesus. So would you welcome Lindsay this morning? Some of you might remember her. Some of you may even have come to talk to her because several years ago, you were one of our counseling interns. That is correct. I came here four years ago, and you guys didn't even have the establishment that you have down here. We were just meeting in offices upstairs in the church and just having a huge heart to see healing within our church and praying over people and listening to their hearts. So I've been here for a long time, just in a very different way. You were telling me the other day that all that you learned, and she's continuing, she has, she's part of a counseling practice now, but really what I think fuels her is this ministry she's involved in. So um, how has God used even your background, your training for counseling in Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Well, he equips us with everything we need on a regular basis, so it is not missed. I use my master's in counseling on a daily basis because I am in the public schools on a daily basis, praying over people, praying through the schools, and listening to people, listening to their hearts. And sometimes with counseling, you can see what they're not always saying. So explain to this group. I don't know if you guys know what Fellowship of Christian Athletes is, so explain to them uh, this great ministry. Fellowship of Christian Athletes has the concept to go to the heart of an athlete to impact the rest of the campus. They're on a stage daily and weekly through being on the football field or in the basketball gym or on the track, they're constantly in front of people. So we use their influence to impact the rest of the campus. Our heart and our soul is to impact every campus with Jesus Christ. And so when people tell me that maybe Jesus isn't in the public school, I'm like, oh, yes, he is. (laughs) He is indeed. Uh, We are praying through your public schools. We have Bible studies in your public schools. We have team Bible studies. So uh, that is part of it. Um, Anyone is welcome to attend one of our huddles or our Bible studies. 
So not just athletes, but everyone. Okay, so what schools are you in right now that you personally are involved in? I'm personally involved in any school south of 24, which is a lot. So just to give you an idea where we have active ministries right now, Shine Mountain, Vanguard, Fountain Fort Carson, Harrison is starting, Um, Sierra has had its ups and downs, but they have presence there with Christian coaches. We have um, Mesa Ridge. We've been praying over Mesa Ridge for a while. Hasn't started. So if you're an athlete or a parent that get excited about Mesa Ridge, I want to talk to you. Um, We have Widefield that is just starting as well. And then I just got an email last week for James Irwin. That's awesome. So... You mentioned something in there that I think our people need to know. In order to start, Lindsay just can't go into the school and say, hey, faculty, I'd like to offer Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It has to really be a a grassroots kind of movement. So within that, what do you need in order to establish one? Because we have some schools where we don't have it. Like you just said, James Irwin is thinking about it, and and Mesa Ridge is kind of thinking about it. What do you need to to launch those chapters in those schools? So on every campus, we look for a teacher or coach that wants to be our sponsor on the campus. And then we really train up students to be the leaders because everything has to be student-led. So we disciple students, and students pour out to the rest of the campus. And then having parent support team and a connection to a local church is always what we want to do because I'm not trying to operate independent of the local church. Once... I go to a campus, I go after the kids that would never step foot in a church. That's my heart, and that's where I go. But I always want to funnel them back to the church because as part of your goals, you want people to grow in their relationship with Christ. So I always want to get kids back into the local church. You know what's so funny is the other day I was talking to Lindsay, and um, she said when someone tells her, oh, you don't want to go to Sierra because there are a bunch of really bad kids over there, she goes, Oh, you, you lit my fire now. <laughs> you get, she gets even more excited about it. She's also in some colleges, so um, UCCS, Colorado Christian, or <laughs> Colorado College. It's not Colorado Christian College. Colorado College. In fact, you were sharing this morning at first service um, a highlight of one, of one of the events there, and just share with this group how that impacted you. My highlight is always to see kids and students that are operating in the ways of the world get involved in the Bible, and Jesus changes their heart. So at Colorado College, which people told me I could never do ministry there, and I'm like, you just, you just wait. You just, you just wait what Jesus is going to do. Uh, there was a young girl that came to our Bible study by an invite of a teammate. I meet with five of the soccer girls, and we We're going through the book of Ephesians. The first day she came to our Bible study, we were going through Ephesians chapter 5. And her background, as I learned later, is in the seventh grade, she was taken advantage of by a man. And this will get me choked up every time. So she's never known what a relationship looks like that's healthy and pure. And as you're going through your marriage classes, what a relationship is and a marriage in Christ looks like. But if you know anything about Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about a relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, and what it looks like in Christ. She sat through the entire Bible study in a coffee shop, crying. She had never known anything different. 
And that was the first day she started her walk with Jesus. And today, yes, celebrate. <laughs> today, today, she just gets really excited to invite anyone to come and to know about Jesus. So it's just amazing to watch the transformation that the Lord does on someone's heart. That is. Well, you guys need to know um, that when you give to the church, you're supporting her. You're supporting Lindsay through your tithes and offerings. And do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Every time the plate is passed, you're giving to Widefield, you're giving to Fountain Fort Carson. I don't get paid by some corporate anywhere. Like, I'm a missionary. So I get supported by everyday people like you through churches like this one. And Pikes Peak Christian Church has been there from the very beginning. When I started my support raising, they were the very first church to jump on board and say, we want to support you. And through that, I get to funnel Dustin and Sam into the local schools, and uh, we're getting excited about what the Lord is doing down here. So I deeply just say thank you for your support. All right, let's pray for Lindsay before she goes off stage. Father, thank you for this servant. Lord, I thank you for her enthusiasm and her love for Jesus, Lord. I pray that you would keep her strong, that you would keep her fueled by the stories, by the life change in front of her, and by the support behind her, Father. Thank you so much for what you're doing, and thank you for allowing us to be part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank Thank you you again. She's going to be in the foyer after the service, and if you are a parent or have kids in any of those schools that she mentioned, Please go up and talk to her. After first service, several people did. We do want to get Christ's presence in the school. And we don't need the government to do that. We just need to, to take advantage of the doors that are already open for us to do that. Well, I want to t- turn the corner now to talk about 2017. This um, September, our executive team went away, and we began to pray over what God would want us to do for the coming year. And we looked at those four areas and said, if we could approach one of those areas, and really pour into it. Where would we get the most, uh, the most um, growth for the church? Where, where is the greatest need right now? And without a doubt, everyone agreed, growing believers. We recognize the fact that people are coming in and people are getting baptized, but we're not growing them up like we should. We've got to focus on that. And so we identified three critical areas within that. In the book of Colossians, it tells us, so then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up. When you accept Christ, you get the roots established, but you got to keep being built up. And, and we looked at what are some things that we could do to help build up the body of believers here in this church? And so uh, these aren't, aren't, aren't thorough. These aren't Mr. The, the greatest in all the world. We just believe if we could do these three things, we would see significant growth in the life of believers in this church. So the first one is this. If you've got a, a bulletin, you can follow along in there. Um, they're just very simple. First one is to increase the times people encounter God in corporate worship each month. Going to church. And the reason is because we've been getting news over and over again that the, the trend within churches across our country is that people are going to church less frequently. So, so people that used to go every Sunday are going like three times a month. People that used to go three times are going two times a month. People used to go a couple times a month are going once a month. Those that are going once, used to go once a month, now go just a handful of times through the year. And the reason? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, technology. There are a lot of resources accessible online, like live stream church services. Um, there's a competition with kids' activities. Now schools and clubs are planning things 
that conflict with the church schedule. Uh, people have uh, a desire to get away and, and, and get up to the mountains or, or have their time of entertainment or time of refreshment. So all those are, are causing people to come to church. There's other reasons as well. But the bottom line is this. The result is that people are weaker in their faith. That people aren't as strong as they should be, and part of it is because they're not as regular in meeting with God's people. See, the, the book of Hebrews tells us something very important. Let us consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You cannot encourage one another if you're not together. Now think about your home. What if at home you just put the food out on the counter and says, go get your food and eat it wherever you want. And so the kids would grab their food, go to the rooms, turn on their TV or sit in front of their computer or dad would go downstairs and watch a football game. Some of you may already do this, but I'm just describing what, what would it be like if every meal was like that? that? They said, you know, they're getting their food. I mean, the goal is to feed them. They're getting their food. And he said, no, but there's a value in the t- family sitting around a table together hearing one another, caring for one another. Our family would disintegrate if we didn't have that time together. And it's true of churches. Yes, you could spiritually feed yourself online. You could spiritually feed yourself with your own quiet time. I get that. Some people say, I don't need church to get fed. You're right. You need church to be part of a family. You cannot grow as a family if you don't meet with the family. Let us meet together to encourage one another. You cannot do that in isolation. And the fact that you could have your own personal Bible study is awesome. You should do that. You will grow in knowledge. But the goal of spiritual growth is not to increase knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We know so that we can love better. And you cannot love when you're not meeting with people. And so for the next year, we're asking people, for those of you who are already coming every week, bravo. But for those of you who've made it just kind of a casual habit, make Sunday church a commitment. And I'm, I'm not talking about the building church. I'm not talking about the program church service. I'm just talking about look at churches. I'm going to meet with my family. I'm going to meet with them. Not only do, do I need them, but they need me. They need my encouragement. And see, sometimes we look at it totally from a consumeristic point of view. I don't get that much out of church. Okay, let's turn the tables. Do you give much at that church? Who are you looking around to say, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to take. I'm here to serve. I'm here to contribute. There are people that walk in these doors. I mentioned you. 80 people on a Sunday come in. First time. They're looking around. Does anybody here care, for, care about me? And I would say, I hope our family does. If someone walked in the door of your house, would you care for them? Of course you would. We need to do that as a church family. And we will do our part to provide an environment where you can encounter God. We want to we provide you great Bible teaching. And again, you can do a lot of these things on your own, but for most of us, we don't carve out that focused time together to do this. And so we need to do this. And so January 1st is a Sunday. And on that day, I know some of you will say, well, I party all night the night before. Get to church. Come to, come to 11 o'clock service. But start the year off saying, this year is going to be different. I want to see what God will do in my life when I commit to going to church every Sunday that I can. I know there's times I get sick or times where maybe I'm traveling, but I'm not going to wake up Sunday and ask, should I go to church? I'm going to make that decision ahead of time in advance. I am going to church unless I can't go to church. Last week, a little kid came up to me, 11 years old, and said, Pastor, uh, who do I talk to about getting baptized? I said, well, is your mom and dad here? And could you go get them? And he says, no, I rode my bike by myself to church today. 
I said, really? I don't have, I, I typically don't have kids ask about being baptized who don't have parents who go to church. So that just shocked me. Like, how did, how did you get in this position? And I said, why are you thinking about getting baptized? He said, God, God's been showing me this vision of water and that I'm supposed to be baptized in it. And I thought, wow, you took the effort to get on your bicycle to come to church when I know adults who wake up Sunday morning who can't get their butts out of bed to get to church. And I wish we all had that same desire of, I don't want to miss what God's about to do. Because God shows up where two or three meet together in his name. And, and I know it just sounds like, well, Pastor, you're just trying to build attendance numbers. I, no, I want you to get the most out of God. You're not going to get it in front of the TV. And I know you could say, well, Pastor, I love being up in the mountains I can, when I'm skiing, when I'm fishing, because I see God's beauty out there. It's true. You really do see God's beauty out there. But there's nothing in God's eyes that's more beautiful than people who are made in his image. When you spend time with people that God loves, you please God. So that's, that's our first goal for 2017. The second is to grow in the number of people learning and applying God's word in a discipleship group. The very first church says that 3,000 people were baptized. You know what they did immediately? It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. It goes on to say they, they met in the temple courts and they met in people's homes daily. Why did they do that? Because they knew, if we're going to grow, we've got to get together because we can learn from each other. We need a place. We need the big group, the temple courts, and we need the small group in the home. And it's true of you and me. We need the big group, the big gathering like now, but we need the small group because on Sunday, you hear one guy talking on stage. In the small group, you get to say, hey, I've got questions. You get the, the space and the place and the grace to say, that doesn't make sense to me, or I'm wrestling with this, or I don't know how this applies to my life. Help me. And you hear from other people within your group, and they help you process it, and they help you learn how to live out the Scriptures, and that's the real key. We want to live out the Scriptures. And so our desire is that everyone belong to a small community of believers that you are growing with and getting into the Bible with, from the, whether you're a child or up, up to the adults. We want to offer more and more small groups. And we know we've got a lot of training to do of new leaders. And that's something that God is prompting you to do, to, to open up your home possibly or to lead a group. We need you because we need, to, we need those places where people can grow. They grow best in community. And then the third goal is to improve the personal engagement and effectiveness in prayer. When you go to a foreign land, the very first thing you do is you learn the language. Because if you learn the language, you can access things, you can communicate, you can develop relationships. But if you can't speak the language, it's like all these doors are closed. And it's true in the life of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The language is prayer. Prayer is a language. Prayer is being able to talk with God and be heard by Him and have God do things in your life that you cannot do for yourself. And I know for a fact that most of the people, even, even non-Christians, would say prayer is important. And I know this because even though our government doesn't push anything religious, when there's a crisis, they'll say, we need your prayers. But prayer is far more than a 911 call. It's not just for crisis, it's for conversation. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Now, this sounds like an Aladdin's lamp kind of thing. You rub it, make a request, voila, you get your wish. But back up a little bit. 
If my, if my words abide in you, and you're abiding in me, then ask whatever you wish. Because Jesus knows that if you're walking with him and his words working in your life, that, that you're going to ask requests that are in line with his will. And he says, when you do that, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you what you're asking for because I see how it advanced the kingdom. And so I know um, prayer is important to you, or you would say it's important. I, I just want to ask you this. Are your prayers effective? Do you feel when you pray that God is hearing you and are you seeing him answer you? Because I'll tell you, I've met a lot of people who say, Pastor, I just don't feel like I'm breaking through to God. I, I, he hears you, but he's not hearing me. And I want you to know God wants to, wants to answer everybody's prayers. God listens to everybody, and yet the problem's on our end. Of, I don't know how to pray right. I don't know why my prayers aren't effective. I don't know why I feel like God's not listening to me. We want to change that. We want to help you grow in that. We want to help you feel like, oh, Pastor, God's hearing me. Because there's nothing more motivating for prayer than answered prayer. And when you see God answering prayers, you say, we're going to cover this in prayer because I've seen God do this before. But there's another part of prayer. There's the talking part, and then there's the listening part. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We really believe that God wants to speak to every one of us, young and old, all, every one of us. The new Christian, the old believer, God wants to speak to us. The problem is many of us don't know how to tune into the voice or we don't know how to discern the voice from the other voices that we hear. And, and my question for you is, are you hearing the voice from God? And if you are, are you doing what he's directing you to do? Because both of those elements, the talking and the listening, are critical in our relationship with God. In fact, I don't know if there's anything more critical for your spiritual growth than if you can develop the habit of talking with God and know that he's listening and that he's speaking to you and you're listening to him and doing what he says. I mean, if you can do that, you are on a great path. And so we want to help you do that. We're going to have these quarterly prayer services, as I mentioned, to help kind of equip you and encourage you in prayer. I meet with the group Thursday mornings. We've now broke through. We've done it for over three years now. We're now getting in the double digits of people coming at 6 o'clock Thursday morning in the foyer. You are invited to come and join us. And guess what we do? We pray. That's all we do is we just pray for about 45 to 50 minutes. We pray because we believe God hears our prayers and God wants to do great things in our lives.